What's up, everybody? This is Troy Pryor, founder of Creative Cypher and host of the Cypher Live podcast, where we interview thought leaders and creative entrepreneurs. And today we've got a dope sister in with us. She is the founder and CEO of You Matter Studios and the game producer in the building. So how are you doing today? I am doing good. I'm so happy to be outside for live. It's always nice to be able to talk to you. So I'm excited to have a great conversation. Awesome. Yeah, we've been rocking for several years now. And yeah. uh, one of the things that we are really collaborated on with You Matter Studios, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how did that even come about? What was the inspiration? Yeah, so I started You Matter Studios when I was a sophomore in college. And a lot of it was inspired because of the racism I experienced in computer science. I was sick of people that underestimated me because of who I was. And so fortunately, I was able to get a software developer internship at Microsoft um, the summer after my freshman year. So fun fact, only a couple months into college, I already secured that internship. Okay. Uh, But with that said, at the end of that internship, I was participating in a hackathon where I worked with friends to build a video game called Hashtag Queen. And so my little sister was the main character, you know, fighting these confidence monsters. And I saw the impact it had on folks. And I think a lot of folks were happy to see someone that could look like them when they typically weren't represented. And so that's what inspired me to start You Matter Studios because I wanted to create a space that no matter who you are, you're feeling seen and you're feeling heard and you're feeling represented. And that's what inspired You Matter, like the actual name of it, because whatever we produce, whether it's content, whether it's workshops, whether it's engagements, you should feel empowered, you should feel seen, and you should truly believe that you matter. So started in sophomore year as a studio, evolved as a general media company as we were intersecting, creating virtual reality films to really drive impact and really build empathy for experiences that you don't often get to be in if you're not in those shoes. And then it evolved in, you know, documentaries and then DEI workshops. And we kind of do it all. As long as we're building an inclusive world by equipping people to be inclusive, then we're doing the right thing. So yeah, that's You Matter Studios. Dope. And so you took what some could have taken as a negative and stopped at that point and yeah. flipped the script. Period. And there you go. There you go. And it became a motivating factor. But there's less in there, especially for our listeners who are all inspired by different things. There is a level of empathy that you have for those individuals that you want to support because it was an, a life experience of your own. So you're able to connect with others in ways that, you know, folks that may sit in corporate offices and other <laughs> ways, shapes or form can. And, and uh, have you been in an experience where you've, you've been in a setting uh, or closest to the answer, but furthest from the decision? Oh, that is such a good question. So when I worked in the DEI organization as part of my corporate job, that was the best way to summarize it because I wasn't the person making decisions, but I started to see, oh, this is why we're repeating the same mistakes. Like this is why when you have all these DEI initiatives with recruitment, it doesn't reflect in the retention. This is why that you're seeing gaps where you see all the diversity, all the representation at the lower levels. But when it gets to C-suite, it's predominantly white people. And being in the midst of seeing how these strategies were made, but also recognizing like, okay, for some reason, my voice isn't really being heard or it's not really being 
activated. That was, I've never heard someone summarize that experience more than like now. It was, I definitely like, I saw the solution. I was like, y'all need more representation in this room to actually make input strategies. Y'all need to actually talk to the people you're trying to impact instead of assuming what they want. And I feel like there's, that's something that was very interesting, like being in corporate because, you know, my corporate was the tech space, right? Like I had the experiences through my internships, but really being in corporate full-time post-college, I got to see what people defined as what diversity was before the 2020 area. Before the 2020 area, um, diversity was women and people in the LGBTQ community, but that's how you ended up having teams that were still all white. Because as long as you had, you know, people in those groups, then it's fine. It's like, no, because you're not understanding that the people who need it the most, when you don't have that representation, you can't really impact them, you know? And so that was definitely a time I definitely saw, like, I see the solution, but I'm like, I'm far away from the decision, but I am proud about the things I've been able to do to help impact this industry and the relationships I've been able to build. Because my hope is that just through the things I'm doing or the way I move, I inspire others to educate themselves, especially those that have the power to make the right decisions or bring in the right people so they can collaborate and make the right decisions. How did that Mm -hmm. make you feel being in that situation? I mean, I would imagine, I don't want to assume, I can only speak from my own personal experience. It can be such a demoralizing and frustrating position to see the answer at what needs to happen. But for one reason or another, you're not listening. What? Did, how did that make you feel? Exactly how you said it. It was frustrating. I mean, that's why I left. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, I much rather tackle this space from my own company where, and that's the thing, if you look at articles, there's a reason why, especially a lot of black women that work in the DEI space, they tend to leave actually for this reason and end up starting their own DEI companies. Like it's a real thing. That pipeline is real. And because I kind of had that simultaneously, I just took what I learned. And that's when we kicked off our DEI consulting. That's where I started to work and take on my own corporate clients to run DEI workshops because I'm like, look, I'm going to go where I can give myself to go. Right. And I can fill my room with the people I know that are going to provide the perspectives that can actually inspire and empower inclusion and work with the corporate clients that see that they need to work with people like us versus constantly trying to fight to be heard. So I was frustrated, but as you see that theme, even with You Matter Studios, when I started it, I just kind of used that as fuel to be like, cool, this is an inspiration to find another solution because there's got to be a solution. And um, I also just felt the obligation to go after that uh, that solution because where I was at, like, mind you, when I was working in this space, I was still like fresh out of college. So I got a lot of experiences and I got to see a lot of conversations that a lot of people don't technically get, especially where I was at, especially in the Black community. So I was like, I need to use this knowledge somehow to really inspire change. So that's what I did with it. Proud I'm of hearing it. Some, I'm hearing some talented 10th um, <laughs> in there, some W.E.B. Du Bois, talented 10th going like, on. You know, some the spook who sat by the door. It's an older <laughs> film. Are you familiar with that film? I have heard of it. I'm a good friend. It's like, I need to check it out. But I haven't. Now I need to read. I need to, like, watch it slash absorb it because now I've seen, okay, there's probably connections here. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of synergy <laughs> with, with the idea of uh, being in a space where individuals in power may uh, overlook and under while you are and able to use it at a later put it like that. (laughs) 
you know, speaking of uh, being in potential settings where uh, your fellow peers may not be in, um, as a black woman in gaming, that mm-hmm. is not what you are, you know, you typically see. What does that feel like holding it down? Period. Well, thank you for recognizing. Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, just to drop some facts, right? Like, when it comes to being in the black community, we represent. a a little less than 2% in the game industry. And that's us as a whole. So you can imagine Black women, it's like an even smaller sliver. And then when you compare that to us as consumers, you see that huge gap because we're one of the biggest consumers. And so it's already interesting to have that dynamic. And the way I like to explain it is like being in the games industry as a Black woman is operating as a unicorn, but operating in an ecosystem that's not built for that unicorn. And I will tell you my experiences were night and day where, you know, previously I was working at Minecraft and I had a lot of great experiences. Like I learned a lot. And then I made the decision recently to leave Minecraft, leave Microsoft and work for a black owned game studio. And when I tell you like Black History Month is black history, like literally it is amazing working at a historical company, like everything. But I say this because when I was at Minecraft, I was learning so much, but I was so used to being the only in the room. And I'm fortunate enough that while I was the only person in the room and because I'm a producer, so let me break down what it's like to be like a game producer because I feel like a lot of people don't know about it. And I think that's also how we get blocked out of these opportunities because it's actually more accessible than people think. It's that we just don't get the knowledge, but that's kind of part of the history of everything for us. You but drop let's, some gems. It's like, like salt, baby. A little salt. <laughs> I'm ready for this. So game production, typically your role as a producer is to make sure you ship at quality. And my job at Minecraft is I was a technical PM. So being a technical PM is very similar to a game producer, but I was also very focused on quality. So everyone that knows Minecraft, it's this dope game, but I'm here where let's say a business person's like, hey, we need to get this feature out because folks love it. I'm like, cool. Let me work with the developers to figure out what timeline is possible. Let me work with the test people to think about all the things that we need to test out. Let me work with the data people to make sure we're able to like actually get the data from players like our early beta users. And then overall, I'm like that coach. I'm keeping people accountable. I have to report up to leadership like every other week because we run like an agile. So every two weeks we're trying to like get something done. And so I had to be in a lot of spaces where I was operating um, with like I had that authority, but I didn't have the authority power. I had to operate with persuasion. So especially being a black woman in that space, I am fortunate enough that I have the personality that folks will listen. But there were times that even like if I got introduced as like that person I was taking lead, like folks would be like, oh, and I'm like, hey, like get used to my face because I'm going to be running every single meeting. And folks got used to it. And I'm fortunate that I had positive experiences there, but it was still a thing where it was just constantly being the only. And it was just those little things where it's like people mean well, but it's still like I kind of feel like I'm in a museum. And I'm in a glass and I'm really just trying to work like I'm a black woman, like we're real, like let's move on, (laughs) you know, like just those subtle things. But that's kind of like what it was like. But what I will say is like outside of that, right, because my experience in the gaming industry isn't just like working at Minecraft or just working at Decoy Games.
games, which I'm about to get into. It was also the ability of working with game jams and working with game organizations and meeting other people in the gaming industry, whether it was streamers, whether it was people running organizations, whether it was people who just were trying to figure out ways to make the gaming just more accessible. That's where I found my power. Because then I was like, okay, people are interested in hearing from me because they want to see more people like me come in. Like they actually care. So they're actually willing to like listen. And that's where I saw the power in being a black woman in the games industry. Now, fast forward to working in Decoy Games, which is like my dream job. Um, so the founders, Khalil and Ahmed Abdullah, um, they had a really dope game, Swim Sanity, that they just built with just the two of them and like one designer. It was like big on all these platforms. I heard about them like a couple years ago because I was putting together this like Black History Month event at Xbox. So it's full circle. But they like told me about this opportunity. I heard about it. I'm like, okay, say less. Like I would rather invest my talents in our community because that's how we shift the economics, right? Like if we're huge consumers, we deserve, it is our right to have a seat at the table, is our right to be owning the economics here. And that's what I saw with Decoy Games. But immediately I just get inspired watching the brothers every day working. And I'm honored to be part of the leadership team. And that's where I also see that power of just being black in general and being in the gaming industry with them. Like I'm learning so much. I feel heard, but I also think for the first time in a very, honestly, the first time ever, especially in the gaming industry, I actually feel like a leader. I actually feel like I have, I'm really smart. I'm an expert. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like when you're so used to operating in a space where people feel like you're lucky to be here or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, you're that one person. Mm -hmm. Um, That constant thing where, you know, we feel like we have to carry our ancestors on our back and show up like, I don't have to experience that anymore. Now it's just pure talent, pure gift and acknowledging what I have and acknowledging that, wow, these talented brothers see this in me. Like it's just an empowering experience. And I, I wish everyone had this experience and I'm just grateful that I'm in a space now that like I can invest in gaming and truly invest in shifting the economics too. Cause what we're working on is really dope. You know, anyone in the game industry will say, you know, I'm under NDA, so I can't really talk about it, but just know like it's going to be big and just saying, you know, gaming is the base IP for a lot of things. If you see mm-hmm. The Last of Us, that should tell you like games can be films, they can be music, mm-hmm. they can be a ton of things. So, um, you know, I'm a very passionate about film and television. I'm always going to be, but I also am passionate about being in the intersection of media and tech. And that's where gaming comes right in. So for me, that's like my experience. And another thing I'll add to that is just the power of community. A lot of the reason why I'm here today is because of the amazing Black women, Black men, Black people in general that have really supported me, um, even going all the way back to BAM. So that's Blacks at Microsoft. That was the organization I was a part of for obvious reasons. But like when I first transitioned into gaming, it was because I met my mentor because I had started, um, it was the, it was my sophomore year. So my second internship as a software developer at Microsoft. So I was kicking that off. I had already started New Matter Studios at this time, had already built Hashtag Queen. And my mentor, Sarah Potter was like, hey, I see that you're doing these things. Have you heard of this team at Xbox? And that's like what got me in the door to experience this. So my hope is that through my experiences that I'm able to inspire folks to come on in because we need you 
y'all. Come on, mm-hmm. please, like, like, please. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you think back as to that one meeting or that one interaction with that person that made a suggestion and you said, yeah, you know, I'll go check that. And then look at what happens. Doors continue to open up. And it's, you know, it's a great testament to so many of the emerging creators that question their value of their worthiness. Uh, you know, we often talk, oftentimes talk about the mental health aspect and the the microaggressions and the traumas that Mm -hmm. oftentimes just get overlooked. But imposter syndrome is real. And, you know, you can be the dopest. But if for some reason your experiences are are live up to our full potential. So that moment where that light bulb clicks, I love the fact when you mentioned this is the first time in your journey where it feels like I'm smart. So to hear it, so many creators are, that resonates with so many because oftentimes you're on the right path, but you just don't feel it because others may not, oftentimes we're judging ourselves others when in reality we're already on track just, you all just need to figure it out that look look that that's that's you know, the word here's the other thing you know i'm saying that uh taking for granted that some people are just oblivious and have blind spots nobody's perfect however mentioning especially to those that are listening there will there will be others that intentionally do that as well mm-hmm. so it's not just that folks don't see it. Some people actually do see it and you can be intimidating. They don't want you to know how powerful you are, talented, and they'll lay the, they'll create an environment where you are second guessing yourself. So it's important to be aware of that. So you know how to navigate. I, I'm just like here nodding and just like, because that's where I've been in that situation where I fundamentally believe that part of the environment I was around and some of my corporate experiences were where people actually saw the light in me and they saw my potential, but they were very threatened. And it's not until, again, that realization being where I am now, where I'm like, oh, wow. And like the way it shows up, especially in the corporate place. And this is why, like, especially when I, you know, I'm still very connected to the black community when it comes to corporate spaces, because I'm still in corporate, but it's different, right? Like I'm working for an indie game studio, black owned. So I feel like it's night and day from what my experience is, but especially when it comes down to promotions and reward season, we don't talk about how Black people typically are always passed up for promotions most of the time. And typically they're the ones that always have to leave to like get that recognition and hop. And I think that's the thing where it's like, can't let only that define your worth because First of all, you should get your money and get your promo. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just like recognize that the standards that are set for us are like what people, people try to confine us. They don't actually try to see our potential. Our potential is there, but they're not even trying to look for it. They're just like, you're lucky to be here. And we have to acknowledge that soon so we don't let that infiltrate our minds. It's like, you know, so I disagree. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm saying great catching up. Uh, yes. About what you're working on and inspiring those that are listening. Stuff you can't talk about, so we won't even press on it. But if there's anything that you want the audience to know about or to stay in tune with, go ahead and let us know. And then let us know where we can follow you and just stay up to date on things. Well, a lot of things are going on. So um, biggest thing is that I've recently made the transition to really invest in myself and me as a brand. So I even have an agent now. We got to catch up. Okay. So 
I am a speaker. I'm actually speaking in Vegas in April. It's a wealth mindset conference. So y'all should check it out. If you follow me on Instagram at Jewels of the Nile, J-E-W-E-L with the Z-O-F-T-H-E-N-I-L-E, period. Um, follow me on Instagram and you'll see more about my speaking engagements. I even have another one where I'm speaking at a game studio in the next couple of weeks. So that is going well. And then also I'm going to be dropping my podcast sometime mid-year. I'm giving myself space, but it's going to be called Journey with Jewel, where we're going to talk about our journeys and talk about the industry and the intersection of media and tech and all of that stuff. So check that out. But holistically, follow us at You Matter Studios as well. You can go on our website, youmatterstudios.com to see like all our past projects and the things that we're up to. And yeah, um, a whole lot of things. I think the best thing to keep up with me is follow my Instagram because in my bio, I have like links that you can kind of check out everything. And if you want to book time with me just to talk and get to know me and we get to know each other, you know what I'm saying? The link is in the bio there too. Okay. Thank you so much yeah. for having me on. This is oh, fun. No doubt. No doubt. Link in the bio. Period. Yo, thank you all for joining us today for another dope episode of the Cypher Live podcast. Be sure to stay in tune, follow us on social media and stay up to date in the newsletter. All right, everybody. Peace. <laughs>